I wonder what Christmas means to you. Uh, I'm, I'm one of five children and my wife Beth is one of five children. So Christmas to us means a lot of people. Um, there's all of us and then there's like a horde of kind of nephews and nieces. So it's really exciting connecting with everyone. But there's also an awareness that when you put that many people with a shared history who know just what buttons to press to annoy each other in a confined space for 48 hours, it can be absolutely crazy. And um, a couple of years ago, I was back in my hometown, which is a beautiful little town just north of London called Luton and, um, and, and uh, we were walking back from church on Christmas morning through the snow it snowed that morning and we got to our house and a beautiful scene awaited us the turkey was just crisping in the oven uh, there was wine on ice and you know, the, the table was laid for the Christmas meal the tree looked stunning there were presents all around it waiting to be unwrapped and we got to the front door of our house and the first person tried to put their key in the lock and they couldn't and the second person tried and the third person tried and it quickly dawned on us that whoever had locked the door had managed to lock our front door in such a way that no one could get access to it from the outside and you might say well how is that even possible and trust me that's a question we asked each other with increasing irritation over the next 20 minutes and we just tried and tried nothing worked and it quickly dawned on us that we would have to break in to our own house on Christmas Day and so naturally we turned first to my little brother Paul um, because because of his slightly kind of misspent youth he had a difficult patch between about 18 and 25 he's quite good at gaining access to premises without the premises holders like express permission and um, and so he kind of was was quite resourceful actually he kind of was climbing up drain pipes trying to get through the upper windows and then he tried the jimmy locks I was amazed at the array of skills he developed but um but none of that seemed to be working. And by this stage, other people on the street were leaving their own Christmas lunches to come out and just stare open-mouthed at this scene as this horde of people waiting outside this house, which was really helpful. And, um, and then after a while, I just, it slightly in desperation, was kind of looking around. And I saw one of my, actually my smallest nephew. I looked at him and I thought, he is tiny. And so I kind of picked him up and tried to push him through the letterbox just to see <laughs> if that might help. But he's actually not as small as he looks. And so he was just kind of, you know, half in, half out. He kind of got stuck a bit. In the end, we had to borrow a hacksaw and saw through our own front door just to get into our house on Christmas Day. It was complete and utter chaos. A beautiful Christmas scene. And yet we were stuck outside peering through the window. And the Christmas story can sometimes feel a bit like that. Like you walk past once a year and you look at it and, you know, maybe it looks beautiful and you might be interested in it, but you're not really sure how to access it, how it might relate to you. And the angel says to the shepherds that the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is good news of great joy for all people. And we can think, well, Christmas is great as far as it goes, but how can a baby born 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away, make a difference to my life today? How can this baby born in the corner of the Middle East make a difference to my life today? A baby born just in, in this small area impact me today? Well, the how could it be good news of great joy for me? I actually worked as a criminal barrister for a number of years and over a number of years defended you know, lots of people um, who were facing uh, criminal charges and alleged to have committed criminal offences. And actually over the years I defended hundreds, probably over a thousand people accused of crimes. It's great to see some of you have come out tonight. And um, 
Every day, for years, I would weigh the evidence about the events. What happened? You know, who's telling the truth? And you'd cross-examine witnesses, and they'd come into the witness box, and they'd say, I swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And you think, well, we're going to see about that. And you build up this sort of radar for when people are actually telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and when people might be trying not to do that. But one of the great surprises in my entire life is when I got close and looked at the evidence for who Jesus is, the eyewitness accounts of what he said and did, I thought, this is true. This actually happened. And the closer I got, the more confident I became. You know, that wasn't the only surprise. See, my idea of the Christmas story was there are lots of kind of shiny, perfect, glowing people gathered round a crib. And the message seemed to be, if you tidy up your life, if you sort your stable out, then maybe if you were lucky, Jesus might just come and visit you. And the problem is my life is a bit messier than that. My life is a bit more complicated than that. And maybe you might feel that way tonight. Maybe your life is a bit messier, a bit more complicated. Maybe, you know, your family's a bit more complicated. Maybe your, your flatmates are a bit more complicated. Maybe you're sitting next to them right now. You know, maybe your colleagues are a bit tricky. Maybe you've got a difficult boss. Maybe you are a difficult boss. And it can feel a little bit complicated. And, but you might also have questions. Like, what do I really want out of life? What's my purpose? If I achieve all I set my sights on, will I be satisfied and fulfilled? You know, I don't want to spend my life climbing to the top of the ladder to realize it's leaning against the wrong wall. And then can I be truly loved for who I really am? Even at his birth, Jesus attracted people whose lives weren't neat and tidy. People who were in need of grace and truth. Mary, so young, vulnerable, exhausted, having travelled over 90 miles while pregnant, facing all the complexity of having a baby when she was a teenager, before she was married, in a culture where everyone would have had an opinion about that. Everyone would have had an opinion about her. I mean, just imagine Mary going to her mum and dad. Mom, dad, I'm pregnant, but it's good news of great joy for it's tricky. Joseph, young guy, probably wondering how he ended up in a shed miles from home, supporting his fiancée as she gave birth to a baby that wasn't his. Trusting, hoping that this baby might be the saviour. And then the shepherds looked down on from the rough end of town, distrusted, you know, really scruffy, wondering how all the people on the face of the earth they're invited to the birth of the one who came to save the earth. I actually um, sympathise quite a lot with the shepherds. Um, I know quite a bit what it's like to be a shepherd because I played a shepherd in a school play once um, <laughs> when I was about eight years old. I, I, there were three shepherds in our nativity play and I was the second shepherd. And the way it was supposed to work was... Um, the baby Jesus was there in the crib and the, we three shepherds came in and we were supposed to give gifts to the baby Jesus. So the first shepherd came in and he said, I give you a sheep. 
and he handed this sheep to the baby Jesus, and you know, that's an okay present. It's, it's actually very generous, but it's completely use, useless. I mean, you know, what's the baby gonna do with a sheep? Like ride it around the stable? I mean, it's like, but anyway, he gave a sheep, it's fine. And then I had to come in the second shepherd and you know, had a very practical present to give. I, I gave my cloak and I said, you know, I hope this will keep you warm. And then the third shepherd came in and he didn't have anything. And he, his, he had to say, I don't have anything to give you. I have nothing to give you, but I give you my heart. And that's a pretty good line. That's a pretty good line. And so there we were on the first night. You know, everyone's excited. Parents are in the audience. And, um, and the first shepherd comes across and hands over the sheep. And then I come across. And I suddenly realise that in all the excitement of the opening night, I've, I've left my cloak somewhere backstage and I don't have it with me. And I kind of look down at the baby Jesus. I look out at the audience. I look back at the third shepherd. And I look at the baby Jesus and I say, I have nothing to give you, but I give you my heart. The look of betrayal on the face of the third shepherd as he stepped forward and said, I have nothing to give you, but I give you my heart. I think hopefully by now he's forgiven me. Um, But I do need forgiveness even today. I still make mistakes. I mess up. And the name Jesus means the Lord saves. And that's what I need. I need a saviour, not just a good example or an inspiring life. I need a saviour. Jesus, the baby, God made flesh, grew up, lived and died and rose again and he's alive today. And that means that you can know forgiveness and freedom and joy. I realised that the very things that I thought meant I couldn't come near to Jesus, didn't belong anywhere near Jesus were the very reason that he had come close to me. All my mistakes, my failures, thought they kept me from him. But they were the reason he'd come close to me. To to heal, to rescue, to forgive, to save. And Jesus sees you to the bottom of your soul. All of the good, all that you're proud of, all that you push to the surface and try and impress people with, all of the bad, all that you're ashamed of, all that you're not happy about, all that you try and bury and hide. He sees you to the bottom of your soul and yet he loves you to the sky. All sorts of people are drawn to Jesus. People who are successful and nailing it. People who are really struggling and holding on by their fingertips. People who maybe grew up with some kind of memory of faith from childhood, people who find it really difficult to be anywhere near a church because they find in Jesus joy and peace and purpose in the complexity of life. There are still difficult days, days where we fear we can't see a way through, where we're not sure what to make of things, when we're struggling. But Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And that means even in the midst of the challenges of life, he has come, not to blame us for the things we get wrong, but to bear them on his shoulders. That's what he did on the cross. Gave his life, shed his blood to win forgiveness, to save us from our sins. You see, Christmas isn't about being perfect. It's not about being good and getting a present or being bad and getting, I don't know, a lump of coal or something. 
You probably had the same experience I had as a child of going to Santa's grotto. And you kind of sit there, and it's a little bit awkward because you sit there and Santa kind of looks at you and says, have you been good this year? And you know the truth. You haven't been good that whole year, but you also really want a present. So you kind of say, yes. And, uh, and so Santa gives you a present and you kind of walk away thinking, oh, did I kind of sacrifice my integrity for this present? It feels like a slightly kind of bad arrangement. And I, uh, the whole thing just feels terrible. And I wish I had the presence of mind then. I wish I could go back now. And when Santa says, you know, have you been good this year? I'd say, no, I haven't. But let's be honest, Santa, neither have you. It's difficult, let's be honest, Santa. Life is difficult, it's complex, it's hard to be good for a whole day, even if you try really, really hard, let alone 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And even if I could, Santa, even if I could be that good, I'm not sure that's a life well lived. I feel like I was made for more than mere morality. And actually, Santa, while we're at it, if Christmas is about anything, it's about grace. And grace is about an undeserved gift, an undeserved present. So actually, it doesn't really matter if I've been good or if I've been bad. It doesn't really matter if I've been naughty or I've been nice. All that matters is that I'm willing to receive the gift that's offered me. And on balance, Santa, I am. So please stop asking me your stupid questions and give me my present. (laughs) Christmas doesn't mean you can have a present if you've been perfect. That's not good news. You don't give gifts to people because they've never made a mistake. You give gifts to people because you love them. And in all the mess and chaos of life, God has given Jesus for us. Not because we deserve it, but because we are loved. That's why he paid the price. That's why he gave his life to win you. And that is good news of great joy. It's in Jesus that we find life and life in all its fullness. It's in Jesus that we find joy in the face of sorrow, peace in the storms of life, a hope that is greater than fear and a love that is stronger than death. Jesus came for you. He gave himself for you to save you because he loves you. Amen.